Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the First Baptist Church here in the mountains of Coleraine, Massachusetts. We're so thankful that you are listening and some of you are watching. Wherever you may be, welcome. Um, last week we finished uh, the book, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And now we're going back, we're going back. What's the next book back? The book of Jude. It's only one chapter, so hopefully we're going to get that finished today. Obviously an overview, because we spent about a month on that, but we're not going to do that. So let's read Jude's letter to the church, churches. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change, chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies reject authority and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do understand by instinct 
like unreasonable animals. These are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars, for whom blackness, darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, he prophesies about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence, without fault and with great joy to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. All right. Let's open in a word of prayer. Okay, that's a good introduction. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for this word 
from Jude, this letter written by your servant. And uh, there's so much in it, we could spend so much time. Uh, but we just ask for your guidance and give us understanding. There's so much to learn. So in the next half an hour or so, may we concentrate, be tuned in and learn. Keep our ears open, not be distracted. And uh, may we apply some of these things to our own life in a practical way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Some of you have heard of uh, George Bernard Shaw. Some of you may have written, or not written, but read some of his books. And uh, he's also written quite a number of plays. He's from the uh, country of Ireland. He said, amongst other things, he says, Beware of false knowledge. It is more dangerous than ignorance. Beware of false knowledge. It is more dangerous than ignorance. I've entitled this message, uh, Introduction, Warning, and Conclusion. So I'm going to... Got to preach through the whole book of Jude in the next half an hour. The book, obviously written by Jude. Who was Jude? He was one of the half-brothers of Jesus. We know that uh, Jesus was the firstborn, uh, born of the Virgin Mary. As you can see through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but Joseph and Mary had other children, and one of the boys was Jude, and he later became a believer in his half-brother, Jesus Christ. And he's writing this book, he's warning Christians about false teachers who had rejected the truth. They'd heard the truth, but they rejected the truth, and they turned away from God. These types of people... Uh, known as apostates. They existed back in the day that when Jude wrote this. They also exist today. There's two types of apostates. Number one, those who fall away from the truth, having heard the truth, having known the truth. They fall away from the truth taught by Jesus Christ in the word of God. Number two, those who reject, abandon, and forsake the Christian faith. Maybe these people, they were claimed to be Christians at one time, and they attended the assemblies, but they turned their back on the Christian faith. They turned their back on Jesus Christ. And Jude writes to those who do those kind of things, they're going to face divine judgment eventually, unless they repent of their sins and be truly saved. And all those that reject Jesus Christ will face judgment because obviously God sent his only son Jesus into this world to save each and every one of us and we reject that gift, God's not going to accept us. If we reject his son, you have to receive his son the free gift that God freely gives. So 
On the other hand, you've got the Christians that he's writing to, comparing the Christians that he's writing to and these apostates that he's warning the Christians about. He said, on the other hand, true believers, he calls beloved of God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. He encouraged them to keep the faith and also to serve others, you know. If you serve others, then you're serving God, if you do it with the right motives. We learned about that last week. So he assures them that God is able to preserve them and to present them before the throne, faultless, just as if they'd never sinned. And it says, with great joy. And you don't find any joy in this world apart from receiving Jesus Christ. With great joy, you know, there's no sadness in heaven. No sadness in heaven, no problems, no tears, no pain, no suffering. It's a wonderful, wonderful place, and I hope you're going there. And you can, but only if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. These apostates, they belong to a cult known as Gnostics, the Gnostics, who taught many lies, untruths. Let's give you a few examples. They taught that Jesus was not fully human or that he was fully God. Remember what Jesus said? He says, I and my Father are one. They also taught that God's grace gave them the license to sin. They said the body is evil, so they have no power over their body, so they can do exactly what they like with no responsibility, okay? They had a license, they believed, to sin. They also believed that Jesus' blood wasn't an adequate sacrifice to take away sins. It's exactly what he did on that cross. And then John the Baptist, he saw him coming to be baptized as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, they had to slaughter these animals and their blood has to be shed to atone for sin. But it was, had to be done continuously. And millions of animals were slaughtered to try to atone for sins. But Jesus Christ only needed to do it once on the cross, not just to cover our sins, like in the Old Testament, but to completely take them away. We'll be remembering that shortly when we go into the communion. They also believed wrongly, and they taught that sinners are justified before God by keeping the law of Moses. You know, if people could be justified and in a right standing before God trying to keep the law, then Jesus Christ wouldn't have had to have come and died on the cross, would he? No. Keeping the law of Moses, which nobody can keep, there's only 10 of them and we can't keep one of them, right? We've either done it in deed or in thought. No, no one can be justified before God by keeping the law of Moses. The law of Moses was given to show us that we're sinners and we fall short of the glory of God, right? 
And sinners need a saviour. Boom, there he is, Jesus Christ. He came. He's the fulfilment. He fulfilled the whole law. Why? Because he never sinned. The only one who was without sin. That's why he didn't have a human father. All right? Because he'd have had that sin trait running through his veins like the rest of us. It's inherited sin that we're born with. Do you agree? Right. You've got to admit you're a sinner. Otherwise, you'll never be saved from your sins. In verses 5 through 16, Jude compares the fate of these false teachers compared to some ungodly rebels in the Old Testament, like Satan, the devil, for example. He led a third of the angels to rebel against God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be God. And about a third of these angelic beings followed his rebellion before all things that were ever created. Rebellious angels. Now we know them to be called the evil spirits or demons. And a group of these Angels, a group of them called the sons of God. You can read this in Genesis chapter 6. There was a group of these angels. They came down and they bred. They cohabited with some human ladies, women. They bred with them. As a consequence of this ungodly union, freaks of nature known as the Nephilim. Read it in Genesis chapter 6. Otherwise known as giants appeared on the earth. Before that, there was no freaks of nature until these angels bred with human beings and they gave birth to these freaks of nature, these giants. Goliath was one of these offsprings, amongst others. All right, and uh, probably Andre the Giant, I don't know. Some of you may have remembered him. Sorry, Andre, I didn't mean that. I think he was a very, really nice guy, as far as I know, from, from what I understand. All right, that's the only joke you're going to get, so let's get tuned back in again. Forget about Andre. Okay, verse 9. Jude mentions Michael. Who's that? They the song, Michael, row the boat ashore. I don't know if he had a boat or not. He's one of the chief angels, otherwise known as an archangel. All right, now, talks about this story. It's interesting. When Israel's leader, Moses, he led the people of Israel out of Egypt, didn't he? And he died. He didn't enter into the promised land. You can read why. He, he disobeyed the Lord and he wasn't allowed to enter into the promised land. He saw it, but he never entered in. That's another story. We haven't got time to go into that. He died and he was buried in the desert in an unknown place. Deuteronomy chapter 34 tells us, in an unknown place. Then Jude tells us that Michael the archangel, 
and the devil engaged in a dispute over the body of Moses. Even so, Michael refused to rebuke the devil. So Michael's example to refuse to curse Satan should be a lesson to Christians in relation to these evil forces. I've already alluded to the demons, Satan, the evil spirits. We shouldn't try to deal with them ourselves, but seek the Lord's intervening power through prayer, through prayer. No prayer, no power. Amen? So we don't know the details of this dispute between Michael the archangel and the devil. Maybe the devil, he wanted to steal Moses' body and then have a shrine erected to it to make it an object of worship, possibly. Of course, this is idolatry because only God is worthy of man's praise and worship. Only he deserves the glory and the praise, not human beings, okay? Do you agree? Verse 11, Jude accuses these false teachers of three things. Number one, following Cain's example, meaning they were devising their own form of worship like Cain did in the Old Testament. He brought an unacceptable offering to God. Also, Cain was jealous of his brother Abel. This is why he killed him, why he murdered him. The first murder, but a lot more since then. Likewise, these false teachers were jealous, like Cain was jealous of his brother Abel. These false teachers were jealous of the Christians in the church because they had a peace that they didn't have in the midst of all their problems and troubles and sicknesses and persecution. They still had a peace. And these false teachers were jealous of that, jealous of the love that the Christians had for the Lord. Number two, Jude also compares these apostates to Balaam, the prophet. Some of you are familiar with the story, Balaam. I'm not going to go into detail. We don't have time. He chose profit over integrity. He figured out a way to get money illicitly. And what he did, he advised Israel's enemies the Moabites, to tempt them into sin. Temptation into sin by committing sexual immorality with prostitutes, Midianite prostitutes, and also committing idolatry, worshipping the Moabite idols and gods, which don't exist because there's only one God. Amen. So this... Balaam, the prophet, he couldn't curse Israel directly. So he came up with a plan for Israel to bring a curse upon themselves. All right? Which they did by committing immorality and to worshipping false gods. So he got together with uh, the Moabite king, Balak, 
and he, and he followed Balaam's advice, and Israel fell into sin. They started to worship Baal, the Moabite god that doesn't even exist. And they committed fornication with Midianite women. As a result of this, God cursed the Israelite man that indulged in those sins. And you know what it tells us? There were 24,000 of them got a plague and they all died. 24,000 Israelite men who turned away from God, committed fornication and worshiped Baal. They were plagued. They suffered the consequences of their sin. And number three, Jude also mentions Korah. Who's that? Well, he led a rebellion against God. God's man, Moses. He led a rebellion against Moses, God's man, in the desert. So what did God do? He's going to stand by and allow that to happen? No. What happened was, you can read this in Numbers chapter 16. It's all there. I'm not making this stuff up. It's too good to make up. What did God do? The earth opened up and swallowed them. And they all descended into hell. All those rebels descended into hell. Read it. Numbers chapter 16. Which is going to be the same fate of these apostates. That's where they're going to end up. Unless they turn from their sins and truly get saved. All those that deny and reject Jesus Christ are on the road to destruction and end up in the lake of fire, unfortunately. So let me tell you, you need to be warned so you can avoid going there. It's sad when you hear songs like uh, from ACDC, I'm on a highway to hell, and I see the singer, and he died young, because he was an alcoholic and he abused his body. And that's very sad. And probably that's where he is now. I hope not. I'm on a highway to hell. Verse 12. Jude describes the apostates as hidden reefs at your love feasts. You see, the early church are about to do what we do on a monthly basis. We have the Lord's Supper, we have communion, a love feast in a way. But also they do what we do normally each month. We have a potluck, all right? I don't know what they called it back then. But they had these love feasts because they love one another and they wanted to associate together, you see? And there's nothing better than Christian fellowship. So what happened was these uh, apostates... They crept in to these, these meals, these love feasts that they had, and they started stirring up trouble amongst the brethren, griping and complaining against the leaders. Uh, just like a coral reef. Anybody ever been uh, snorkeling in the coral reefs? Well, I have, anyway. 
beautiful, unless they get that coral snake that swims right by you. I tell you, you get out of that water pretty quick. That happened to me in Madang, Papua New Guinea. I'll tell you later if you want to hear the whole story. I never moved so fast in my life. So anyway, Jude describes these apostates uh, like hidden reefs, just like a coral reef. You know, it's concealed underwater, isn't it? And it can tear up a boat and sink it. Likewise, these false teachers that crept in, stir up trouble, what they were trying to do was tear up the church. Just like a coral reef would tear up a boat. And it still happens in our day. And it happened back then as well. So Jude had to write to warn the Christians, be careful, they're trying to destroy the church. They were false shepherds. You've got false shepherds in pulpits today. They're not truly saved. They sound like Christians. You know, they've got all the Christian vernacular, but they're not legitimate ministers. It's just as disguise. And Jesus called them wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Somebody said they're more like wolves in wolves' clothing. Jesus said that, Matthew 7, 15. St. Paul, he said that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So they're very convincing. And unless you've got spiritual discernment, you'd never know the difference between a true minister of the gospel and a false prophet. False teachers. He said they're similar to clouds that give no rain. What does he mean? They don't have the living water. God the Holy Spirit. They're like dead trees bearing no godly fruit. Obtained through believing faith in Jesus Christ. Once you receive Jesus, you receive the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Etc., etc. Now, in verse 14, another interesting fact, and I know there's a lot to take in, but being laid low with pneumonia, I had lots of time to study. And it talks a, a quote from Enoch, godly Enoch, the Old Testament uh, prophet, really concerning the fate of these ungodly apostates. You know, writers of scripture often quoted from non-inspired texts for the sake of making a point. Paul did this. You can verify that. Read Titus 1.12. He quotes from a Greek philosopher to make a point. Now, the Holy Spirit apparently guided Jude to quote from Enoch, and he's not included in the Bible. You know, there's a book called the Book of Enoch, but it's not included as inspired text. But Jude quotes from him, 
who predicted that the Lord would return with thousands upon thousands of holy ones. Who's he talking about? Probably referring to the holy angels. We've talked about the unholy angels, the demons, the um, evil spirits. Well, there's also two-thirds that didn't follow Satan's rebellion. These are the holy angels. And one day they're going to be coming back with the raptured church, believers, with Jesus to set up his kingdom on earth for a thousand years. We've studied this in the book of Revelation. Read Revelation chapter 20. If you don't believe me, Jesus will set up his kingdom. There are going to be no more wars. Okay? During that time period, it will reign with a rod of iron. Hang in there, I'm almost finished. So he continues his opposition to these false teachers by summarizing their evil character. They're always griping. They're always complaining about those who preach the truth. They're always finding fault, just like those rebels did in the desert that the earth swallowed up because they were griping against Moses, God's servant. And that's a warning. And that's what Korah did. And look what happened to him in Numbers 16. So instead of submitting to God's will and God's word, they followed their own evil desires. Remember what I said. They said they believed that the flesh was evil. So it didn't matter what they did. They're not responsible. They're not accountable for their own actions because they can't help themselves. Right? So they poo-pooed it. Well, that's true. They didn't have the power. They didn't have the Holy Spirit to live a godly life. <laughs> so let me summarize. Let me conclude. What have we learned? The prophet Jude lays out a plan of action to warn true believers against false teachers that crept in. Even in our day, many people claim to be Christians. They sound like Christians, they appear to be Christians, but they're really not. That includes some in the pulpit that are preaching on truth. They don't believe the word of God and they don't preach it and they don't teach it. Consequently, people remain ignorant of who God is. And that's exactly what Satan, where Satan wants them, to remain ignorant and to be lost on a highway to hell. Now, these kinds of people that creep in, cause trouble, stir up trouble, appear to be Christians, you know, they've got all the vernacular and all the rest of it. They're the most dangerous type of person that the devil uses to cause division and split a church and destroy it like a boat that goes over the hidden coral reef. They mock God. They mock Christians. They follow their own desires. They pose a danger not only to themselves, because they are on a highway to hell, but also Christians that they come into contact with and influence. Whoever we hang out with, 
we are going to be influenced by people, aren't we? Whoever we hang out with, we're going to be influenced by them. Anybody attest to that fact? Yes, absolutely. So be careful who you hang out with. Be careful. Those that mock God, they pose a danger to themselves and those they influence. Those who follow the apostate's philosophy and lifestyle are bound, Jude says, which is true, they're bound for eternal separation from God for all eternity. See, Jesus came so that we could be reconciled to God. All right? On that cross, God and man, he reconciled us together so we can be in a right relationship with God because of the sin that separated us from him. True believers, he's saying, is on the winning side. We're on the victory side. And we need to continue to abide in the truth. You know, what's not true is a lie. Truth is found in God's word. That's the only thing you can rely on. That's the only thing you can believe to be true. Found in God's word. And we need to submit to God's will. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful for servants like Jude. At one time, he wouldn't have believed that his half-brother Jesus was the Messiah. He probably mocked him just like the rest of them did when he was growing up. And Jesus was without sin. But then later, he became to know the truth. And he became a follower, a disciple, a believer. And we have this letter that he wrote to, to warn believers against apostates. The, for the lies that they perpetrated to stir up trouble within the church, to destroy it to tear it apart. May it never happen here. May we have spiritual discernment to deal with people that creep in and stir up trouble. And I hope and pray that uh, the things that we've shared is a, is a warning to us to receive Jesus as our personal saviour. If we're lost, then we need to be found. And he, God made a way for that to happen he sent his son who was without sin into this world born of a virgin mary went about doing good healing the sick raising the dead and yet he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and was crucified he died for our sins. He took the punishment that we deserve because of our sins so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for those sins. We wouldn't have to face judgment and condemnation. He took the punishment that we deserve. We need to believe it because it happened and receive him. He died. He was buried. 
and yet he rose again from the dead. And Jesus is alive. And those that receive him receive life eternal. And we can never perish. And have a home waiting for us in heaven and have peace in this earth. And joy that cannot be obtained anywhere else. And we're so thankful that you made that possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening, and God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.